Glad to be here today, and uh, we're going to be continuing in 1 John, if you want to turn there, as we continue through this um, very important epistle that uh, he shared with us. And so, just a, a, a little bit of a review from uh, last week as we were talking, I think we got through the first uh, three or four or five verses, and uh, we're going to back up just a little bit to about verse three, but... In this time of Christianity, when the church was, was fairly new, it was within its probably first uh, 100 years or so, not quite 100 years, uh, we had seen some um, activity that was challenging the church from inside and outside. And again, we talked about the Judaizers who uh, believed in grace, but they also said there's effort. There's something we need to do in order to be saved. Then there was the Gnostics who said, basically, uh, we can do whatever we want in our flesh and, and just live the worldly life because everything in us is spiritual. There was the Docetics that um, said Christ really wasn't real. He was like a hologram. He was sort you could see the image, but if you went to touch him, he, he wasn't real. And then there was the Corinthians who were sort of like the Unitarians. They wanted everything... Uh, you know, everybody to be happy, everything to come together. And we sort of liken that to some of the things that we look at today. There are those churches that say uh, there's works that need to go with uh, your salvation or for salvation. And, of course, we understand the Bible is pretty clear that uh, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, but we do know that works are a result of our salvation. And so John is going to talk about that. And so they had these things that were going on. We, we know that uh, the world today likes to call evil good and good evil. We're going to get into that a little bit. It's sort of like the Gnostics where uh, they just believe they can live like they want to because they've said some prayer or because they've been baptized or went through some ritual and uh, they believe they're saved by that. And Again, the docetics, you know, they, uh, there's nothing really like that, but spiritualism sometimes is like that. Today, there's some of the New Age spiritualism that goes on. And, of course, the Corinthians are like the Unitarian churches. You know, there's all sorts of paths that lead to God. And so John was dealing with this in the churches, and he wanted to be very clear that there's, there's one path to eternity, and that is through Jesus Christ. And so, as we talked last week, he... he focuses on these little epistles this way, that we need to know God's truth. Well, how do we know God's truth? And again, we would say it's the word of God. It's God's uh, holy word that gives us the truth. And we live in this age, again today, where people say, well, you know, the Spirit told me this, and the Spirit told me that. And, and I believe that the Spirit can lead us. God has given us the Holy Spirit in our life to, to help direct us, to give us discernment. But understand this, that whatever it is that you are thinking is, is leading you or telling you, it needs to be in agreement with God's word. If, if you believe that the Spirit is telling you something and it's contrary to God's word, well, then it's not the Holy Spirit that's telling you that. It may be a spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit that's telling you those things. And so um, we need to learn to really say that, that God's word is the, is the foundation of everything. So we need to know God's truth. You know, they say the Bible is the most popular book that's ever been written. They said more people own a Bible than any other uh, book in the world. But we know that many homes have them, but unfortunately they sit on the shelf and they're not opened. 
very often, and even more so in this age of technology. And not only that, is sometimes they may be opened and read, but even less likely that they're studied, that they're really gone through. And so um, there is no... Um, uh, can't think of the word that I'm thinking of, but um, uh, substitute for reading God's word. You know, we can read everybody's commentaries, we can read articles, we can read devotionals, and those things are all good and okay. But we need to read the Bible ourselves that we might know God's truth. And then he's going to talk to us about obeying his commands. He's going to get into that in the second chapter, which we'll probably start into next week, Lord willing. But uh, he tells us that as believers, we need to follow his way. So walking in the light, and then we need to love God's children. And this is something that we miss the boat on many times. Everything that we do as Christians needs to be motivated by love. So a lot of times we want to share scripture with somebody, but we want to share it to prove that we are right. We want to share it to justify a position that we are in. We want to share it to show how smart we are. We can share these things for all sorts of reasons, um, but we need to share it in love. It says share the truth in love. And so this love is the love that Christ gives us. So uh, as we talk about fellowship, this is going to come into play. So he gives us these three things. And so he starts out in verse 3, or I'm going to start out anyways in verse 3. Uh, that which we have seen and, and heard and declared to you, that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He's talking about fellowship. Now, salvation can be described a lot of different ways. We can describe it as, well, I said this prayer. We can describe salvation in terms of redemption. Um, a lot of different ways that, that we try to um, describe salvation. But really, the basis of what John says in salvation is this, is that it's an intimate relationship with God. So when we think about intimacy, when we think about having this intimate relationship, it, it's something beyond the superficial relationships that we have in the world today. So, unfortunately, the, the superficial relationships that we have in the world today have filtered into the church, and it's sort of how we treat God. So, um, we live in a society today where we love things and use people. Okay, And the Bible tells us, that we are to love people and use things. And so, see, we get that wrong in the world. And unfortunately, that comes into the church. So we can have a superficial relationship with Jesus. Okay, so we can know about him. We read about him. We can come to church. We can own a Bible. We can have these things. Um, but we're lacking that intimate relationship. So we can come together as a church and a body. And God instituted the church uh, for the purpose of fellowship. But we come together today and we see friends and family and, and we're glad and we're happy and we're, we like this time of sharing, but we leave this afternoon and, and pretty soon that, that fellowship uh, feeling fades away, right? You know, because now we're not in the fellowship moment. We can sing beautiful hymns and beautiful praises and, and share testimonies and prayers and that can energize us and that can get us in a worshipful spirit, but we leave the church and that begins to fade because we're no longer doing those things. The only thing that's going to stay with you through the week is if you have an intimate relationship with Christ because that is something that is in us. He has given us his Holy Spirit. So when we leave, 
that relationship with God is always with us. Now, if that relationship is superficial, we walk out the door and the thoughts of God diminish until maybe next Saturday or next Sunday or if something comes through on the prayer chain, then it spurs it back up again. So what John is saying is this, is that I want you to have an intimate relationship with Christ because that is true salvation, having that that intimacy with him. And so what is that? What does that mean? Well, intimacy uh, can be described in many ways. It can be passionate. It can be dedicated or committed. It can be um, something that's very uh, important, a priority, we can say. So when we look at our relationships in life, you know, if we're married, if we have friends, if we have children, we can say, or we should say, that we can have those intimate relationships with them. So I have some friends that I have an intimate relationship with these friends. And that means that I can sit down, I can talk about anything with them. I can bear my soul. I can give the deepest, darkest concerns, secrets, whatever in my life, and I can share that with them. And they're willing to listen to those things. They're not judgmental. They're not critical. They may give me advice on things. But they're my friends, and they take it, and they receive it. And then they can do the same with me. And, and because of our love for one another, because everything is based upon love, and you cannot have intimacy without the love, and the true love comes from Christ, because we have that love for one another, we share with one another. And we care for one another, and we edify one another, and we correct one another, and we challenge one another. And so when we come to this relationship with Christ, we can think of that same thing. Are you one that can just bear your soul to God? Can you really just open up and and share these things? And we're going to talk about this a little bit later at the end of chapter 1 because it talks about confession, confession to God. So we deal with confession, we deal with repentance. But do you listen to God? So when I read through the Word of God, I learn more about Him. When I pray, not just sputtering out words, but in my prayer, sometimes I'm speaking things, but then I also try to have silence that that God can impress upon me, maybe answers or thoughts or things that I need to know. Again, in agreement with his word. And so we have that intimacy where I I can listen to him and he can listen to me because if we have a a one-way conversation, you know, and and unfortunately uh, sometimes... Our, our relationships aren't bilateral. You know, we can have one. So at the prison, a lot of times, um, I'll have inmates come and they share things with me. I mean, they share their struggles, their family issues, their whatever it is that they're going through. Um, I listen to them. I may give them advice. But I don't share those things with them because of the professionalism that goes there. But as a church, as a body of believers, that's what we were created for. So that's a unilateral, or a, yeah, a unilateral um, relationship. It's one way. Sometimes we do that with God. We go to God and we just, you know, unload on Him, but we don't listen to Him. We don't read His Word. We don't, you know, really want to take advice from others. It's just uh, we just vent and, and that's it. But God wants a bilateral. He wants us to come to Him and share those things, but He also wants us to listen to Him and to obey him, and to follow him, and to walk in this light. So he tells us that which we have seen and heard and declare to you, 
that you may have fellowship with us. So he's saying we're going to have this fellowship with one another. And he says, truly our fellowship is with the Son, Jesus Christ. So he's going to go on to tell us this, that when we have things that are hindering our relationship with others, with each other, if we're holding things against one another, if we are uh, you know, have these things in our life, it's going to affect our relationship with God. And if we have these things between us and God, which would be sin, it's going to affect our relationship with others. And so John is going to tell us that the only way to really have this intimacy is to deal with these things in our life. And as we go through 1 John here, and really I would say most of all scripture, these are self-examination things. These aren't here so that I can sit back and think, oh, this person should be working on that, and this person should do this, and man, that person's life is messed up. No, this is something that when I read it, I need to look at it and say, where are you at, Craig, in this? Where, where, what is God saying to me? And so as you read through this, as you look at these scriptures, I want you, and I challenged you last week, and I don't know if, if many of you did it, but I've challenged you to read through these scriptures a few times during the week. I mean, if you were to read the first chapter, it probably would take you a minute, a minute and a half. If you do that a few times of the week and, and just say, what is, what is God trying to say to me in these verses? I think God would speak to you and, and changes would happen. So he talks about fellowship. We're going to have this fellowship, this relationship, this intimate relationship. He wants us to have intimate relationships with one another. That means truthful, open, honest uh, communications. We don't need to wear masks. We don't need to have pretense. We don't need to pretend that we're something that we're not. We're genuine, right? I, I enjoy genuine Christians where you can see the chinks in the armor. You see some of their faults. It's like, you know, I'm just a work in progress. God is working on me. That, to me, is enjoyable. The, the, the stuffed shirts, the ones that wear the mask, that pretend like they have everything together, they worry me. They worry me because I see some of these scriptures. And I try and strive in my life to be this genuine Christian also. So he says, these things that we write to you that your joy may be full. Joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is something that happens in the world. I went to a funeral of a friend yesterday. Uh, a lot of people were sad. But a lot of those sad people had joy because they knew where our friend was and where he was going. He had a personal relationship with Christ. So he says, I write you these things that your joy may be full. Not that you may have some joy, but that you may be full of joy. So that means despite my circumstances, despite the things I'm going through, um, God has filled me. And I can say that I am blessed in the things that I am looking at. So the first question is, do you have a superficial relationship with Christ? Or is your knowledge of him superficial? Or is it deep? Is it intimate with him? And so our scriptures today, we're going to go 5 through 10, uh, basically. And the first few verses say this. This is the message which we have heard from him, Jesus, and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So he starts out, this is the message which we have heard from him, that we have heard from Jesus. This is the pure gospel message. Apostle John is saying this. 
I've heard these things. I've touched Jesus. I've been with Jesus. I've sat at his feet. I've gone out on the missions field with him. I've seen the miracles. This is the message which we are delivering. The message that Jesus gave us. The message that Jesus gave the world. And he says, this is what we declare from you. He's not talking about church doctrine. He's not talking about polity. He's talking about the gospel message. And so he says, this is the message which we have heard from him, and now we are declaring it to you. We are sharing and proclaiming this very thing that Christ has told us. And the first is this, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. God is pure. God is holy. God is righteous. In him there is no darkness, no sin, no fault, no error, no chinks in the armor. So John is stating this, that if anything I believe, that anything that, that I do that is contrary to God's word is wrong. God is always right. And anything that I have in my life that is not in agreement with God is wrong. Because he is pure, he is light, he is righteous, he is holy. That needs to be our, our, our view of who God is. Because he's a loving God. He, he cares for you. And we're going to talk about this in a moment. But he is a righteous, holy God who loves you with, with no uh, contingencies, with no strings attached. Again, superficial relationships always have those strings attached, don't they? If you do this, I'll do this for you. Or, oh, that person burned that bridge and we're not going there. No. John 3.16, the, the most popular verse probably in the Bible, for God to love the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him. And the second chapter talks about also the world for all of us. So God is, is perfect and he is, he is righteous and he is holy. So he is this light. We have this picture of light. There is no darkness. As we look around here, we have a lot of light on, but we can see shadows and we can see, you know, a difference of, of lights. He is pure. He is holy. He is righteous. So it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, it says we lie, right? So what is the scripture saying? Saying if I'm proclaiming that I have a relationship with God, Jesus is my Savior, that, that, that I love the Lord, if I say that I'm having fellowship with him and yet I continue to walk in sin, he says I'm lying. Because we know that sin separates us from God. Well, you say, well, I'm a sinful person. We're all sinful. All have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not one. How do we reconcile that? Well, we reconcile that through confession. We reconcile that through repentance. But this is for those that, that want to continue to deceive themselves or continue to fashion a God after themselves. Those who who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of Christ in them. Because, see, we can, we can have things in our life that we say, man, I struggle with this, I, I wrestle with this. And we all have those areas in our life. Right? It can be addictions, it can be gossip, it can be, uh, you know, working too much, it can be priorities, it can be our tongue, it can be our mind, it can be a lot of things. But Philippians tells us this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that's fellowship. 
Fellowship is when you are with one another. This is fellowship right now. When we leave today and go our separate ways, we still care for one another. We, we still are part of the body of Christ, but the fellowship isn't there because we're not communing with one another. But when we leave, God is with us wherever we go. So we can continue to have this fellowship with him. But he says, if, you, if we say that we're having fellowship with him, I'm having this intimate relationship with God, but I'm continuing to choose to sin, he says, we're lying. We are lying. Doesn't change who God is. God is still light. But it makes us the liar. Because we cannot have fellowship and continue to harbor and walk in, in known sin in our life. So John challenges us with that. Do you continue to have a sin in your life that separates you from God? You know, sometimes we say, well, God understands. See, he, he know, he's created me this way. We hear this in the world all the time. God created me this way. No. It says in Genesis, when God created man, he looked upon all the things he created. He said it was good. But man sinned. And so the fallen state came. And we are in that fallen state, and it's only through Christ that we can have that bridge built back to the Father. So are you, are you lying in your relationship? Are you deceiving yourself? Have you said, well, God understands? This is what God understands, is that we needed a Savior, and he sent his son Jesus. God understands that, and he understands that Jesus is the only way. I sent my son to the world that builds a bridge of reconciliation back for us. That's what I understand. I think sometimes he looks down upon us and he says, what I don't understand is why you continue to walk in sin when I've provided a way out. I don't know why you continue to do these things that are self-harmful to you when I have promised you victory in your life over these things. Why do we do that? So we examine our life. These are self-exam... What do you do with a scripture like this? What do you do with it? When you take that scripture, do you look at it and say, well, wow, that's pretty amazing. Do I have things that are hindering my relationship with God? So we can look in the world today. If we're in a relationship with a husband and wife, and, and there's secrets being kept, and there's deception going on, is that relationship intimate? Is that relationship full? Is it all that it should be? No, it's built on false things. We can smile and pretend like everything's okay, but really behind the scenes, things are crumbling and falling apart. If I have friends, I can say, oh, this is my best friend. He's, you know, yeah, we're like this. We're just, but I lie to him all the time. I deceive him. I don't tell him the truth. I don't really have the love of Christ in me towards him even. Is that an intimate relationship? No, those are superficial those are the sunny day type friendships. I'm blessed in my life to have a few of those friends in my life that I know in my moment of need, if I really had a need, they would drop everything and they would come. That's intimacy. That's true friends. That's true love. And, and, and it's godly love that fills us because human love is conditional. Human love is always conditional. 
But godly love is unconditional. And his love for us is unconditional. So are you walking in darkness and deceiving yourselves? But he gives us the answer. You know, wherever he challenges us or corrects us or finds a fault in, in some of our thinking, which we do, you know, they used to call that like stinking thinking, right? We have wrong thoughts that are going on. And, it, you know, uh, I can't remember who it was, but he said, if you say something uh, long enough and loud enough, people begin to believe it. We live in a world today where the world says all these things are okay, all these things are acceptable, all these things are this. Even within the churches today, everybody's going to heaven, everybody's, you know, okay. And we become sort of a proud, rebellious group of people. But he gives us the answer in verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, or Jesus Christ's son cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, but, but you say, I, I can't, because I'm a human and I stumble and I fall. Huh? You're right, the scriptures tell us that. All have fallen short, none righteous, not one. We make these choices in our life and we find ourselves sometimes doing things we don't want to do, saying things we shouldn't say, thinking thoughts we shouldn't be thinking, and we get discouraged and we, oh, I'm a failure. How can God even love me? Well, that's because you're doing it in the flesh. Again, when we have this intimate relationship with Christ and there's nothing hindering us in this relationship, he empowers us. Philippians says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God will give us the strength. God will give us the courage. God will give us the wisdom to deal with these things, but we have to first admit that there's a problem. And that the problem's with us. And the problem is sin in our life. And then we need to confess that. But it says, when we walk in the light as he is in the light. So when we're walking according to his word, we could say that his word is light. The example that Christ has given us, is, as Peter would tell us, he has left us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. When we walk that way, according to his word, that's why it's so important to know God's truth. It's so important to spend time in God's word because when I read God's word, I see things in my life that I can change. I can be encouraged by God's word that I can do better in my life and that he's got a plan for me. But that's why we know God's truth and then what we obey, what God's word says. And when we say, I can't do it, it's too tough, then we depend on him. That's where we need to depend on, is in what Christ can do through us and for us. It is him who sustains us. It is him who gives us the strength. So when we walk in the light as he is in the light, it says we have fellowship with one another. So as a body of believers, as we walk towards in Christ's um, example with one another, we encourage one another. We have fellowship with one another. And we're not looking at one another and saying, but, but I'm walking a little bit shinier than you. I just need to walk the best that I can walk. And when I'm walking the best that I can walk, maybe I'm going to be an example to somebody else that's struggling that they may be able to walk a little bit better. Or as I'm walking the best that I can walk, maybe I'm seeing somebody else that that they're walking very strong. It's like, man, that's an encouragement to me that, that I can do more. But as we walk in the light of season and the light, it says we have fellowship with one another 
And then listen to this. In the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See, the way that, that we get cleansed from sin is by having fellowship with the Father. So that needs to be unhindered, right? That needs to be that intimate, pure relationship with him. And when we have that with him, we have that with one another. It says then God's redemptive blood is at work in our life. It means that our sins are forgiven. Well, how are our sins forgiven? He's going to talk about that in a second. But he addresses a few more issues that were going on in the church. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So he's got these things, these, these three stages of self-deception. But what do you mean self-deception? You know, it tells us that our heart is, is desperately wicked. That it deceives even us. Sometimes we'll say, oh, you know, I'm my heart. Blah, blah, blah. But the Bible says even our heart can be deceptive. And these are like three of the stages of, of self-deception. If we say that we have no sin, it says, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So that's for those that are continuing in this pattern of sin and, and they're saying it's not sin. That God understands. That he's not really going to look upon that and judge that in our lives. There's a lot of things that happen in the world today where the world would say, that's not sin, everybody's doing it. That's not sin, God understands. That's not sin, God created me with these desires and these passions and these thoughts. But the Bible tells us that if we say that, we're deceiving ourselves in the truth is not in us. What's the truth? The truth is the word of God. The truth is represented by Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But the truth is God's word. And so if I'm practicing something in my life and living in such a way that is contrary to God's word, it says that his truth is not alive inside me. And unfortunately in the world today we have a lot of head knowledge about scriptures, but very little heart application. And God tells us we need this heart application. So that's the first deception if we say we have no sin. Second, he tells us this. He gives us the answer again. If we confess our sins, what is confession? Ever think of confession? Is it just blurting it out? No, confession is coming into agreement with God. Confession is agreeing with what God's word says. So when I have this sin in my life, and I know it's affecting my intimate relationship with God, I know it's affecting my relationship with others, when I have this sin in my life and I confess it, that just means I'm agreeing with God that it is sin. I have it in my life, and I agree with God that it is sin. Repentance is, is a change of heart, change of mind, change of direction. Confession and repentance are two different things. But it says that if we confess our sins, if we agree with him that this is truly sin and we repent of these things, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But the problem is, as many of us won't admit to our sin in our life. We may, we may acknowledge it in our heart that, that it's wrong, but we don't confess it to God. Listen, God knows that it's sin. You may know that it's sin, but you need to confess that. You need to say, God, God, I agree that what I am doing is wrong. I agree that this is sin in my life. And when we confess it, it says he is faithful. 
He is just. Why? Because he is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we confess that and repent it, he wipes that slate clean. We have a clean heart. The, the burdens are off of our back for those things. But like we say when we come to the Lord's table, we purpose in our heart to, to, to change those things when we repent. I, I agree. A, ch- a change of mind. Okay, that's the confession. I'm agreeing with God. A change of heart. I know it's wrong. And, and that sin bothers me. And a change of direction means I'm purposing in my heart to no longer go those ways. The third thing that he tells us, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's where the world says that good is evil and evil is good. Christian churches today are pointed out sometimes as being intolerant, narrow-minded, bigoted, you know, exclusive. And I often say, you know, it's not the church that's that way. It's, it's the word of God that is narrow. He says, narrow is the path that leads to God, and few are those who find it. See, the world likes the wide path. It's like electricity. Electricity takes the path of least resistance. And in the world today, most people just take the path of least resistance. It's easier just to go along with the crowd. It's easier just to nod our head. It's easier to ignore the injustices and the the wrong things and the sin that is going on around us. But God has called us to be bold in our faith. He has called us to call sin, sin. He has called us to to purge our ways by depending on Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. He has called us to walk in this path. You know, really, if being a, a, a true Christian, because and I say that because a lot of people call themselves Christians, but when we read through the scripture, we would say their life shows no evidence of that. And again, only God knows the heart. But if being a true Christian, a true born-again believer, one who walks in the light as he is in the light, if that was so easy, everybody would be doing it. But just from looking around the world, it's not the case. Even looking within evangelical and conservative churches, it's not the case. We struggle with things. But what's our desire It doesn't mean that we don't confront it. We're going to struggle with things this whole life. The pursuit of holiness is is something that that a Christian should be desiring in his life, to walk as Christ has walked. But we struggle with it. Because it says, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. See, Christians get this wrong sometimes. We're proud. We're proud Christians. When the Bible teaches us, we need to be humble Christians. Oh, I got it figured out. Oh, I got it right. Oh, I'm, I'm better than this one and that one. We got the, you know. God says we need a humble spirit. We need to understand that by the grace of God, we are saved. And by the grace of God, I am who I am. D.L. Moody said that once when he met a man outside and they were trying to usher him in to do his speech and he had this lost man and he he stopped and he says, but there by the grace of God go I. 
Do you have that attitude towards others? Because that's the love of Christ. You know, the love of Christ compels us to reach out to others. Too many of us are, are like the bench warmer Christians of the world. We're just happy doing our own little Christian things in our own little Christian way in our own little Christian world. And God says, I got so much more for you. And that's why we examine ourselves. I want to be the best that I can be. I also want you to be the best that you can be, and that's where fellowship comes in. But if you change for the sake of me, because I've said something, or because I've told you this is how you should do it, and you say, oh, yeah, pastor said I should do this, so I'm doing it. It really has no eternal value. We change because of what Christ has done in our life. So if we say that we have not sinned, if we look and say, that's not as bad as this person. Because we like to compare ourselves to others. And I think Christians are terrible at this. We always want, and, it, and it's so easy, even being a Christian, to, to look at the world and you know we can compare ourselves to others. But the Bible says this, he who compares himself to another is now wise. You want to compare yourself to somebody, I'll tell you who to compare yourself to. Jesus Christ. Compare yourself to him and see how you measure up. You'll get a humble spirit fairly quick. So you could be a believer five days, you could be a believer 50 years. We continue to grow, we continue to let Christ work in our life, and we continue to reach out and love because those are some of the things that we miss, really, as, as Christians. You know, uh, we, we strain at a gnat and swallow a camel, as the scriptures would say. We miss the boat sometimes on what it is that God has called us to do. Are you living the life that God has called you to do? Have you accepted him? Because when we accept him, we accept him by his terms, not by our terms. We come to God sort of like a, a, a buffet and just say, well, I'm going to pick and choose. But God says it doesn't work that way. The scripture in John 12 that was read today, the verse says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. John gives the same message in the gospel that if we believe in who he is and what he says, we will not abide in darkness. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Do you believe him to be all who he says he is? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for your word. For your word is truth. Lord, when we meet with one another, many times we have opinions, many times we have thoughts, but a lot of those don't really matter. What matters is your word. We miss a lot in the world today of, of, of really saying, thus saith the Lord, or so says God in his word. Father, we just pray that in our walk that we would believe in you. Believe in all that you offer. Believe in all that you give and that we would receive your blessings. And that we could accept your plan for our life. Father, help us to value your word and encourage others to also follow you. Help us to be men and women of God that really make a difference in the world. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.